I accidentally burned part of my bath towel. Okay, welcome to episode 16 of The Failure Show. I'm Ben Frank. And I'm Ida Knox. And Ida is back from America. I am. I'm back from America. I've been back less than a week still. And are you still jet lagged? Um, I have done okay only in like the last night or two. Um, I'll, I'll say like it's always worse going one direction, right? Like there's always like either going or coming back. One is going to be worse. Yeah. And I had almost no jet lag when I got to America. Like, I was like, oh, I'm amazing. Like, I barely have jet lag. I'm such an international traveler. Yeah. And coming back, I it's been rough. I find that to be the case for me as well. When I go to America, I tend to handle it a lot better than when I come back. Yeah. Somehow I was, like, a, just a wizard, and I was like, it's great. And then I, I've been waking up at, like, 3 a.m., and there's, like, not a lot you can do at 3 in the morning, um, right? Like... Generally. Yeah, there's just a lot of hours to kill. And it also means that lunchtime is, like, when I get into my office. <laughs> so I, like, eat breakfast, I don't know, at, like, 5 or something because I've been up for two hours. And then I, like, get to the office at 9. And by 10, I'm like, all right, well, it's been five hours since I last ate. Like, it's definitely time for lunch. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the thing I always hate about waking up early is I'm just, like, Oh, I guess I have to eat now, but this isn't the time that I should be eating. <laughs> it's been okay. I, I had a friend who like forced me to go to a pizza poker night, and that kind of kept me awake. By kept me awake, I mean I was up till 9.30. And That's I was good. like, well, I have to go, guys. It's 9.30. I'm exhausted. And they were like, you were literally pathetic. And I was like, that's true. But, but. also, I went to bed at 8 last night, so 9.30 is a huge improvement. But it took about a week, and I'm over it now. Okay. More or less. That's that's good. That's good. Yeah, we um, yeah we we went to, we went to see Wonder Woman last night. Yeah, we did in in Shanghai. It was amazing. It was so good. Yeah, I hadn't seen a movie in China in at least like two and a half years. I've only ever seen one in China. I've only ever seen one movie like in a theater in China, and I've lived here for three years. So it was one before last night. Yeah, one before last night. What was the one? Um, the Alice in Wonderland, like Alice through the Looking Glass one oh, that okay. came out. Mm -hmm. I remember I was like seeing this guy and he was like, do you want to go see a movie? And I was like, can you do that here? Like, <laughs> is that like a, like an option? I guess, sure. Cause he was like, oh, I like, I want to, I want to stay hang out and like do something. Let's go see a movie. And I've always found movies to be a really dumb date anyway because you can't talk and you can't do anything and then you're going to inevitably fight about the movie after <laughs> or you will inevitably fight about the movie well after. right i'm talking about my own personal dating experience it's never a good idea but um so i saw alice through the looking glass the the johnny depp one mm -hmm. and then i saw this okay the only other movie i had seen in china was uh dawn of the planet of the apes definitely have never watched that yeah. Was it good? It was fine. Not as good as Wonder Woman was, for sure. Wonder Woman is my top. It's my all-time top. So I I had this conversation with my boyfriend. He was like, how was it? And I was like, it was great. 
And he was like, why? And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie with, like, a female main character. And he was like, oh, you mean, like, a superhero movie? And I was like, I almost just mean a movie. Because, like, if you think about all the movies out there, like, there's plenty. He was like, what about Clueless? That does <laughs> have a female like, main character. Okay, yeah. But, like, I, I don't mean a superhero. I mean, like, a hero hero. So, like, I guess I mean, like, an action movie. Not necessarily, like, a okay. superhero movie. And, of course, there's what plenty about, of like, room. a Tomb Raider or something? Yeah, that's a good point. He should have gone for that. Yeah, versus, versus Clueless. Yeah, because Tomb Raider, I would have been like, no, that's fair. The Tomb Raider movies, like, she was definitely, like, a badass. And she was definitely the main character. So, that's a much better Example. coming to defense than <laughs> Clueless, where I was like, you've got to be kidding me that's uh, so obviously not what i need um, but no tomb raider that's true i actually really liked those movies back in the day all right yeah well, well i'm glad glad you enjoyed it yeah it was definitely there was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of good female representation in that movie oh, for, for sure. sure and then i had my mind blown about who robin wright is yeah, so she, so Ida had known, because Robin Wright has a bit part in this movie. Yeah. Ida knows her from House of Cards. I do, I know her from House of Cards. I did not connect that she's also the person from Forrest Gump, and that she's also, also the person from The Princess Bride. Yep, I let her in on that little piece of knowledge. So, arguably, Wonder Woman was great, but the most important thing that happened to me last night was connecting the dots of who Robin Wright is. Yeah. I'm so impressed with her. Yeah. So that uh, that was what we did last night. It was yeah. fun. And uh, yeah, we got we got a great episode today. So let's uh, yeah, let's go right into fail or pass. Fail or pass. Okay, this is uh, fail or pass, the segment where we talk about controversial stories and Ida gets really 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 worked up about something. I do know. Uh, side note, if anyone could tell me what dead butt syndrome is, uh, if you could just write in, that would be great. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, before we get started on our real topic with that little digression, I want to welcome our uh, guest for the show today, uh, Clara Davis. Hi. Welcome. Great well, to yeah. have you. Yeah, welcome to The Failure Show. Thank you. What an honor. <laughs> that didn't sound sarcastic at all. Okay. <laughs> Um, Ida, you've been gone for a while. You seem anxious to get your story out. Yeah, I, I am anxious. I've been gone for a while. This story is relevant to my travels and relevant to everything that's happening in the world right now. It, um, it's a story from Washington, D.C., Okay. Uh, but it is not a political story. Um, so it's also not from the New York Times. Oh, that's a first. That's a first. Um, it's from CNN, which personally I'm not a huge fan of. Fake news. But, fake news. But they are also the first people reporting on this. The Lincoln Memorial reflecting pool has to be drained because 80 ducks have died. Oh. In it. Mm. So, so they're. Sad. Isn't That's it? Not good. It's the saddest. No. So I kind of am cheating because it's not a question of whether it's a fail or not, it's who's failing, because I read this and I was tragically upset, and then I realized I had no idea who I was supposed to be tragically upset with. So 80 ducklings, they didn't put that in the headline. They're all ducklings? Ducklings. 80 ducklings die in monument reflecting pool. There's a 53 second video you can watch. I have not done that. 53 died in one day. Whoa. Right. So, terrible, right? Culprit, yes. 
A parasite that grows in snails that live in the pool. So I'm unsure who to blame here because obviously parasites fault, but like you feel like with the Lincoln like that, memorial that they should pool, be cleaning that pool. Right. <laughs> like who are the people I can be angry at because eighty ducklings died and CNN's reporting on it. So this is a little bit of a cheating a cheating pass or fail story. I want to know who I should fail. Do we have options or do we need to think of the options? Um, it's a pretty damn short article. The quote, federal agency says chemical treatments alone aren't sufficient to fully reduce the parasite and snail population, so the pool must be drained and cleaned. So they have been aware of this. They just waited until 53 ducklings died in one day to decide it was a big enough deal. But federal agency is not... Yeah, which federal agency is responsible for the ducks in the reflection pool? I have no idea. It begins Sunday. They're going to clean it up. They're going to drain the water. So, like, basically today... And on Tuesday, they'll clean the interior. And then humans who come in contact with the parasite could develop some sort of dermatitis known as swimmer's itch. Mm. It's not contagious, rarely requires medical treatment, yeah. comma, but uh-huh. it's uncomfortable. Very, very, yeah. And that's it. And then crews will refill the pool. That's the entire article. 80 ducklings died. Who mm. am I angry at? Um, <laughs> I mean, hmm, who, do you, who to be... A- yeah, I mean, who is even, like, what it's agency the, or what group is responsible national, for maintaining? The National Park Service, yeah, that's I what guess. I, that's what I would assume. It's like, the, like yeah, someone like the National Park that's Service. That's like a pretty important park. Yeah, but wouldn't you assume <laughs> that, like, of all of the parks? Yeah, that one has some special attention to its wildlife. The picture is literally, like, the reflecting pool with live ducks yeah. and children I right that, next to that place. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. sad. And I was there, like... Literally a week ago. I wonder if this was like a visible thing as well. I wonder if, if well, people right. had to watch the ducklings just slow. Like, you know, just like, <laughs> oh my god. What, what's but the, 50, the video, 53 in a day. Yeah, that, There's that only seems 24 like you hours. Yeah. That's two ducklings. You're averaging two ducklings an hour Gosh. there. A little yeah. bit over. So did they just Pretty show bad. up one day and there were like 53 ducklings just... Well, uh, I think I'm more on board with Clara. You probably slowly watched them. <laughs> Just fall below the surface? I mean, how deep is the, well, the pool? Well, they probably would still... I think it's like two feet. Yeah, I don't think it's that deep. They'd float, right? And are they... Oh, my gosh. There's so many questions. Would they over like a goldfish? Sorry. I thought they would kind of flip over. Mm-hmm. And... Did I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> did they have that number from, like, the bodies they found? Or, like, did they have a count? Approximately 80 ducklings were found dead. Oh. But it says including 53 in one day. So, so they definitely have the 53 in one day count. Wow. Very sad. Somebody failed there, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess the easy thing is to blame the National Park Service, right? I, I want answers. If anyone listening has answers as to who specifically I can write a strongly worded email to. Um, I mean, you could also blame the snails, too. So, I don't really know if that's fair. I, I mean, like, I, I would say the... The park service is more responsible, but the snails have a role. Okay, well, technically, it's not the snails. It's the parasite growing Within in the, the snails. snails. Yeah. So my next question, but not to talk about for this for an hour, is when they clean it, are they going to kill the snails? Or are they going to just, like, de-parasite them? And is there a way to de-parasite snails without killing them? Oh my gosh. Okay, these are questions I can Going answer. Going down the rabbit hole. I don't think anyone in this uh, in this room is capable of answering right. those questions, but they are 
somewhat fun questions to ask. I'm just really curious because this is a pretty short but tragic article. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's definitely cheating because it's basically just a fail. Yeah, it's it's kind of cheating. I know I'm not supposed to just bring fails. To I mean, I guess I could. I guess you could technically give a pass to the National Park Service and say they weren't that negligent if you wanted to argue that. But I feel like that's I'm a not going to do a, that. That's a hard also, stance to Also, Paul take. LeBlanc, the guy who wrote the article, how dare he put ducks in the title and mm. then ducklings in yeah. the byline? Mm. Dick move. Definitely a dick move. So. All right, we can stop talking about this now, but I'm failing everyone involved. Snails, parasites, park service, president. I'm holding him personally responsible. Everyone except the ducks. The poor ducks. Except the ducks. Yeah, Yeah. so sad. What does that do for the... What, do they refill it with more ducklings later? I don't know. I don't know if those are, are like, bust-in ducks or... I don't answer? know. I'm not sure how that works. I, I don't know how the ducks get there. Nobody <laughs> 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 knows any of the answers to any of these questions. Uh, I promise of... you I will still care years into the future. Mm. All right. Okay. What's yours? Good story. Um, <laughs> mine is about New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. Okay. Because um, apparently, this, this is a story, it's a little bit weird, but that he, so as the mayor... He lives now on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, but he used to live before he was mayor in like Park Slope in Brooklyn, which is pretty far away. Those two places are pretty far away from each other. Okay. But he still, despite the fact that he now lives on the Upper East Side, goes to a YMCA. (laughs) With my best friend Susan. Wait, really? He got. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Your best friend Susan works out with the mayor. My best friend Susan was just here a few weeks ago, and one of the many topics we were able to cover is that she works out with. Mayor de Blasio. Okay. Literally her YMCA. I'm not making this up. Okay, so th- this is, but this has now become... Now a, this has become news. It's become news because in he, order, goes, he goes all the way from the Upper East Side to Park Slope in Brooklyn, which is like 11 miles. And yeah. in New York City, that's a huge distance. And he has to take like two SUVs because he's the mayor. And if his wife comes with him, he has to take three. He works out with his wife. Sometimes. That's cute. Yeah. But I think that he, it seems like he goes there almost every day and people are saying he's being a little bit hypocritical because <laughs> he's like called on the citizens of New York City to kind of be more conscious of the, of the, of the climate. And not waste, you can not get waste resources. And not, not wasting resources. For working out every day? No, he's in trouble because he, he takes up all these resources Resources. to get himself from the upper east side. Is it just two SUVs to drive 11 miles? His security. Yeah, it's two two to three, depending on if his wife comes with him. But in terms of like, it like it's wasteful. (laughs) It's wasteful in in restore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, and so there's like controversy because he's really called on people to like not waste resources and like be environmentally conscious. Yeah, well, it's New York. And and they're like, well, why don't you just work out at somewhere closer to either where you live or work. Yeah. Like this is really far away from both of those places. He could he could there are What about of, people that are thrilled that he's working out at a YMCA instead of like a multi hundred dollar a month sports yeah. club? Isn't he like manning? I think the that's people? the point. He's still you know Manning he, of the people, right? He's manning of the people. But it yeah. is it is a bit wait That's the right verbiage there, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I won't take the, Manning of the people. I won't take that back. Yeah, so <laughs> so I mean I guess you are here like is this you know, is this is this a fail? Are we failing or passing the mayor or the people judging him? I mean, oh. we can do both. We, yeah. we can do both. This is what we can do. Um, for me personally, I kind of think this is a fail for the mayor, but not totally in the reasons everyone else is saying. I don't think it's just the environmental thing. But I assume if you're the mayor of New York City, you have a lot of stuff to do. 
like you should be pretty busy and I feel like if you're going somewhere to work out that's really far away and that takes you a long time to get and come get there and come back to you're wasting a lot of time Not where you could be doing other things. you could be on the phone you could be sending emails in the car I'm sure he could utilize the 22 collective miles it takes him to go to and from the gym I guess yeah, I mean, he could be sending emails, but he also I have a can't, be, question. can't be having real meetings or anything. What is his workout routine? I, I asked the same question. Yeah, what does we your, were, your we friend were, say? <laughs> we were hiking um, Victoria Peak whatever, okay. in Hong Kong. When we discussed this, it was very on... It was very topical at the time, but yeah, I was like, "Does he work out? Does he work out hard?" Yeah, like, is he intense? Is he? Fit? I don't want to throw him under the bus or her, for that matter. But she's. I mean, she said he. Uh, he he does he like a lot a of treadmiller. Yeah, he's more he's a a treadmiller. He does some you know some squatting, some some weightlifting. I think you know nothing nothing too out of the ordinary. So he's just like does like your average YMCA. Like. But I feel like yeah, I feel like he goes there to sort of stay true to his OG routine before long before the yeah. days of. I was really hoping he went there and played old man basketball. That Ooh. was yeah. that was what I was. Hoping. I think he does a little bit of chatting as well, you know, kind of. Oh, oh I, but I feel like that's kind yes. of his job. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe he. Yeah. It's one he of his. Goes and like you have to assume that he doesn't just stay in one place all day. So like, in theory, going to the YMCA, like he could like stop at places on the way back and like. <laughs> is he not? I just think it's kind of harsh that he's not allowed to like leave and go somewhere. Yeah, or, or keep going to the gym that he is most comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, like, yeah. he likes that gym. Also, yeah. I pay a lot of money for my gym. I don't really feel like I can criticize other people's gym habits. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if it's what you're used to, it's fine. It's just it, it, I think part of what makes people upset is, like, they know it's only possible for him to keep going to this gym because of the position he's in. Like, most people, like, wouldn't be able to just, like, it wouldn't be practical for them I to get a car to travel that far across the city to go to well, work right, out. Yeah. But the position he's in is what makes him unable to stick with the same original gym. cheap community gym he went to. So yeah, right. that's why he has to. Yeah. Like why so he have to move? Yeah. yeah. Are people really up in arms about that? Oh, I have I, no doubt. Oh yeah. Sure they uh, are. Yeah, I think because I think. Who outed him? Um, I, I don't know how the story originally got out, but was like, it your but I think. Friend? I mean, honestly, maybe she. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe was it you? Are you crazy that this I story exists? Yeah, but I think part of it is just because the fact that with his campaign, he ran as such like a stark contrast to Bloomberg, who's okay. just like this this rich billionaire, and he's just like I'm the I'm the right. every man. I'm, I'm... And then now he's just like, well, I'm different than you. I can take two SUVs across the city to go. To a gym, well, and of people course are like, he's different from he's not right. the everyman. There's no politician everyman. I know, but people are like, but I feel like it's when people criticize Paul. I mean, with with the presidents, like how often they play golf and what they're doing. I mean, these people also kind of need to have some recreational time, don't yeah. they? Well, yeah. I would yeah, yeah, because right. I would rather if I was like I'm not from New York, but I would rather like have someone who's like mentally like kind of sane and relaxing oh. and like got there got going to the gym every day than like someone who literally is just like I will never work out and I will go insane if it comforts him I'm, I'm not criticizing no one's I don't think anyone's criticizing him he shouldn't go out. to the gym that's yeah. the that's I the feel like conclusion. people are just like I don't know I like yeah. I get that that's far to drive in New York and stuff but like if he's waking up like early and going to the gym I mean 
People do worse things. Yeah, it's unclear what time of the day. These sightings going. are quite early that, that Susan has seen. Him. Okay. Susan has seen. Yeah, she goes to work pretty early, so and this is always pre-work. I'll, right. I'll give him that. So. so, like, what? Is he supposed to just, like... Homeboy's getting up pretty home, early. Homeboy okay. is going to the gym at a reasonable hour for his work being on. mayor. Mm. Okay. So, what have we decided here? Um, I'm passing him and failing everyone who cared enough to make this story happen. Clara. Yeah, I have to pass him and fail the haters. Okay. I think I'm going to pass him on the whole environmental aspect of the whole thing, but also kind of kind of fail him on the on the efficiency. I think I think he's I think he's not operating as efficiently as he as he could be. There's there's argument for that. Yeah. Is anyone operating right. as efficiently as they could be? Not me. No, I took not a either, nap but... before a podcast today. So well, like your goal was to be fresh. I mean, we don't know if that's going to work <laughs> out, but uh, that was the your your head was in the right place. All so right. And, and just going back to the previous story, we all failed that right to various degrees. Yeah. I assume because you said there was no option besides. Yeah, you could there. have passed the death of eighty ducklings if you had wanted to. Yeah, definite fail. Okay, on that note, that's been uh, that's been fail or pass. Uh, let's move on to the next segment. Failure of the week. Okay, let's uh, let's get started here with our little failures of the week. Ida, this is like your favorite part. Of Stop the making podcast. me start everything. No, I I, I didn't tell this you. This is my favorite part of the podcast. That part is true. I thought you because you, you were like you love this. Go first. No, you don't need to go first. All right, it is my favorite part of the whole podcast. Okay. Right. And the only reason I participate. Just kidding. Right. I'm just kidding. Do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's open. Should we have our guests go first? Do you want no, to go no, first? I think I'd rather defer. Why okay. We are, none of us are wanting to go okay. first. I can, I can go first. This <laughs> I think this certainly qualifies as a uh, a, li- a little stupid failure. So yesterday I was uh, eating lunch by my office by uh, at a uh, Vietnamese restaurant near here, Saigon Mama. Okay. Mm. Um, and uh, in there they have, like, you know those kind of clear glass coolers of water that you can just like get a cup of water from yes. that you know you can put yeah, lemon, lemon or like, cucumber or lime yeah and just they have a little tap that you you know turn one way then you turn it the other way it's very, it's very it's very simple familiar um so i was going to get water from one of these taps and put it in the cup and in between when i put the cup down and when i turned it on i forgot which way was off you know like i i was like and the water was coming out much harder than I thought it would. <laughs> you know what that happens? Because sometimes it just dribbles out and you have to like keep it down yeah. there for 30 seconds to yeah, fill up your cup. Sure. But it was coming out hard and I'm like, which way? And then I just did it the wrong way and then it like accelerated and I spilled a bunch of water over the cup. Aww. Yeah. Like in a suit? No, did no. You look like a fool? <laughs> I mean, I probably looked like a fool. I was in decently nice clothes, not a full suit. Not a full suit. But okay. But it, uh, but, but one it, of my like, looks like a business guy who couldn't operate. Like, well, and one of my colleagues was standing right next to me as I was doing this, Ooh. so it was, um, yeah, it was a little, it was a little bit embarrassing. All right, a little bit embarrassing. You're just trying to hydrate. Yeah, yeah, just trying to hydrate, which, as Ida knows, is the worst it's thing that can ever happen. The worst thing. New Year's resolution: you have to pee all the time. I'm right there. It's so the worst thing. Okay. Yeah. So hydration was also the worst <laughs> thing for me in this case. Yeah. 
Hydration to blame. It's absolutely terrible. Well, so I have a, a failure of the week that turned out sort of okay. You know how when you book your flights back from America, you have to remember that you're going to land a day later mm, in China? Mm, yeah. Yep. So I like, 12 hour time difference. I know. So I, I knew that when I did it, but then I forgot about it after I booked my flight. So I booked a Saturday to Sunday flight back from the States. Um, I've been there for three weeks. And then I like, I knew that when I booked the ticket. But then the whole time I was on my trip, I was like, no, it's fine that I'm going back to work on Monday because like I'll have all of Sunday to rest and get over yeah. it. And then in the airport, I simultaneously realized I was not going to get back till Sunday night. I had left my apartment keys for my apartment in Shanghai at my boyfriend's place in D.C. and then already turned in the rental car. It's thundering outside. It's a pretty intense story. (laughs) Um, Sound effects. Yeah, I had left my, my keys in... Like, at his apartment and then gotten back and, like, turned in the rental car and then was at the airport being like, oh, my God. So we had to get, like, someone to drive my apartment keys from the apartment, like, out to the airport. And then I was checking in for my flight and they were like, oh, my God, there's a, there's like a, uh, what are they called? Runway. There's a runway closed in Boston for renovation. And so, like, you're going to miss your transfer. So, we booked you on an earlier flight. But I was like, wait, I don't have my keys yet. So, I can't go on the earlier flight. So, then I missed the earlier flight and had to take the original one I was scheduled for, which was two hours delayed because of the runway renovation. So, I was going to miss my connection. But I didn't have any extra, like, the extra day of leeway because I was an idiot. And so, as I'm going through security, I dropped one of my boarding passes. And then I, like, turned around to be, like, I was so stressed. And I was also sad because I was, like, leaving my boyfriend. So I was, like, like turned around to the TSA guy to be, like, oh, wait, I dropped my, like, boarding pass. And he was, like, what do you think I'm going to do about it? Upturn, like, all of this? Like, go get them to print you when you were at the gate. And then I cried in front of the TSA guy because I was just, like, you're yelled at me and I'm so stressed. And then I went to my gate and I was, like, I'm going to miss my flight because I only have a two-hour thing, right? And they were like, yeah, you're going to miss your flight, but we can book you on this third other option flight. And then a really nice luggage check guy, like, saved the day and literally went out into the ether and somehow found my bag and switched the flights that it was going to be on after it had already gone through everything and I made it back to Shanghai and it was fine. Damn, girl. Yeah. I feel like my water story was more intense. (laughs) (laughs) Just maybe, but I'm back. I have my keys. Wow. And I went to work Monday morning and was on time. First one in the office. Wow. That is impressive. What's this thing with uh, you guys forgetting keys? Didn't Danny forget a bike key when he was here and left Shanghai? Yep. We're not very good at it. Yeah. And I brought that key to America and then I brought it back to China. (laughs) (laughs) So I forgot to give it to him (laughs) while I was in America. So. Okay. We're really good at it. Nice, nice failure. Okay, Clara, you're you're up. Oh, I feel my my failure of the week can't possibly top that one. It really doesn't have to. Aviation drama, that's the worst. Um, This week, well, I kind of was, I kind of previewed it, previous to recording. Damn. Wow, there's like a lot of there's just some lightning that ooh. Wow. I don't, I don't know if that's going to come onto the podcast, but that was a, that was a big thunder and lightning that just happened. A big boom. The view is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, this week I went into work one day after having 
gotten a message the night before from my staff um, at my bar that had said, oh, we had a brief power flickering, whatever. Our, our power system, I don't think, is the strongest, I'd oh. say. Um, and then I went the next morning to find out that the power had been out the whole building for at least 15 hours by that point. And it was kind of, I mean, it was a, I, I don't know if it's a failure on my part. It was a kind of a group failure. Yeah. We had paid our bill. It wasn't a, it wasn't something so simple, but nobody seemed to care quite as much as me. And we just had no power in, uh, the restaurant bar and started panicking because we have all of our, you know, yeah. refrigerators of food and, and everything. Um, and had to deal with the, the really, really motivated management office who seemed to care a lot that... That feels like you're saying motivated, but you might mean something else yeah, there. Yeah, they, they really weren't. They they said, they kind of kept pushing it off and they're like, oh, okay, the power company's going to come at, you know, 1.30 and then they can tell us the problem. Power company came. They were like, oh, we need this one piece from Sujo that, that um, you know, to make the power come back on and it can't arrive till tomorrow morning, so it's going to be another... You mean that there's, like, there's a, a piece, piece like I'm imagining some, I'm imagining some small... I don't know yeah, what. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about Just that there's anything, systems. like, we are in Shanghai. Just like there's, there's, a, anything, there's some, like, mechanical or electrical piece that is nowhere in <laughs> Shanghai, but it's in... Sujo. A, 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 a smaller city an yeah. hour and a half away. So it was um it was pretty intense and they you know, I kind of had one of which I, I hope I'm not the only one of the three of us who has had like a China tantrum. But I was just like, this is actually unbelievable. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to run a business. Alright, so you had so you had this power outage, you're freaking out and uh Claire, what what Total what? freak out. Um yeah, I mean kind of on topic with what we were just saying before they they were like yeah you can only get this part from studio tomorrow morning you know the power can't come back on until tomorrow morning i was like that doesn't make any sense um and so they what said did you do they said oh actually if, if you want to pay for the delivery from sujo it could be here today <laughs> i was like what because we, we pay you know a management fee and da 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 um so the whole thing was crazy and i had part of my staff there at the time and so they were kind of you know, laughing probably at, at how much I was freaking out because they were very much Maybamfa, like what are, what are we gonna do? There's nothing there's nothing to be done here. And I was about to just kind of like agree and say, Okay, you know, screw this, whatever, and let everyone go home and just shut shop for the day. And I called my business partner, was chatting with him for a few minutes about the situation and I was like, I guess I'm I'm just gonna I close and he was like, Well why don't why don't you just try to stay open, throw everyone for a for a loop. And so that's what we did. And that's what I did. And I went back inside and told myself, change of plans. You know, we're going to try to, we're not going to close the doors. You guys don't get the day off just because the power's out and somebody else fucked us up. So you we're gonna give this. A, we're going to give this a whirl. Open. We stayed open. And it ended up being really quite sweet. We just lit a ton of candles and kept icing everything. And we, and we did kind of, um, you know, rig up electricity from our from the neighboring business just up to our kitchen fridges so we sort of had had, had solved that so you still had food we didn't we didn't then serve or cook food but we saved, your we food. saved our food, saved your food. Yeah. okay that's yeah. good okay but, but yeah we're, wow. we're full of failures over at uh at at this at this bar of mine so. yeah so i guess tell us a little bit more about this business how you started why you started it and 
just kind of, I guess, yeah. What you do, wow. introduce yeah, yourself. What, yeah, what you do, how it, how it, all, how it all happened, how you, how you got where you are now. Oh, man, how much time do we have? No. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the, the, I guess, I, I'm, I'm Clara, I'm from America. All right. Where, where in America exactly? My mom is from Kansas City, from the Midwest. Okay. My dad lives in New York and Brooklyn. Okay. And I married Blasio. <laughs> yes, he right around the corner from where Mayor De Blasio works out. No, <laughs> a little far away. But I kind of grew up in Connecticut, um, high okay. school and stuff. So, cool. but nobody is still really there. So, haven't been in America since I was 22, 23. Okay, how been many kind of over years? So here. a chunk of years. Of a chunk of years. I'm not gonna make you say <laughs> no. the number of years. Yeah. More than one year. No, yeah, it's been I guess seven total. So I went when I graduated college. Um, I worked briefly at a law firm okay. in DC because I also thought that I wanted to. I got a head nod there because I'm off to law school. Oh yeah, I gave you the head nod. Oh. Um, I also thought I wanted to do law school, but I during that year sort of decided with my boyfriend at the time that we wanted to go on some crazy adventure, and we just decided to move to China. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, and ended up ended up settling rather than the kind of as we. As we said at the time, like the obvious pics of Beijing or Shanghai, where I'm sure it was totally like nothing cool was happening there. Here I am, yeah. like yeah. seven yeah. years later, thinking that this is one of the coolest places in the world. But um, yeah, at the time we ended up deciding to move to Chengdu of all places. Oh. Chengdu's cool. Chengdu's fantastic. I love Chengdu. Yeah, I'm super. I've never been. It's amazing. I highly recommend it. Right. And it was yeah, it Western was, China. Yeah, it's the true frontier at the time, and I mean Chengdu six years ago. I'm really bad at math. I think it was six years ago. I believe um, you. But, yeah, I, I'm very grateful we ended up picking that because I think that, I think to go from a city like Shanghai to Chengdu would be really difficult, but we kind of You dove, can't go back. Yeah, we yeah, kind of dove into the, go back. Yeah, the you deep get, end. Yeah, people like in China, they tend to move, you, usually if people start, if people start in Beijing or Shanghai, they tend to stay in like those two cities. Yeah. Like, if they start in smaller cities, you kind of move from smaller cities to bigger cities. You can't go back. Like, once you've had the comforts of the biggest right. cities, you can't... It's, it's hard to make the transition the other way. Yeah, I think it's comfort, and I think it is opportunity. I mean, I still think, that, uh, <laughs> exemplified by my power outage this week, there's so many things that drive that can drive you crazy here, but Chengdu was, Chengdu was next level, and we definitely didn't know what we were doing at the time. So what... I guess, what were you doing in Chengdu? Yeah. Like when you first got there, yeah, like it was your, your I got first up. time in you know your first period in China. So yeah, did you speak Chinese? No, no, no. Neither of us spoke a word of Chinese. We neither of us had had studied that in college. You know nothing. So I ended up taking all sorts of Western China six years ago odd jobs for foreigners, for sure. Which Why? which crossed quite a range. Like yeah. obviously we did a lot of teaching. You know I was we did some you know, car sale, like car modeling, real estate, you know, all kind of weird. So you just like odd jobs your way through yeah. Chengdu. How long were you in Chengdu? For two years. Two years. Okay. You wow. know, lead singer of a band that performed at real estate fairs in rural 
in rural Sichuan province. Yeah, in rural Sichuan province where they definitely had never seen foreigners or strangers. Did you sing in English yeah, or Chinese? Definitely, definitely in English. Definitely English what, what kind of songs did you sing? Oh gosh, I don't even remember now. You were my, lead my, singer of a band that performed yeah. at real estate conferences. Band in might be overstating what it was. It was four people, all of whom, these guys, there was like four guys, all of whom were really musically talented. And then I was sort of the, the token so foreign girl yeah so did they pick you because they thought it would it would be advantageous to have a foreign face yes for sure yeah okay no that's because that i I do get really excited at ktv i love Mm -hmm. them i love myself a microphone all right i don't think i was necessarily qualified does a job like that pay well oh yeah i remember at the time of course now i can't remember exactly but at the time things like that you know you could pay your rent for the month or whatever for yeah. one thing. I, I kind of believe that, yeah. 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 And Red was also less. really cheap. Been, yeah, cheap. Yeah. And, yeah, and for people who don't live in China, that's kind of a very common thing and definitely still now, but even more so I think years ago, is just to get opportunities and jobs and things you're not really qualified for just based on the fact that you have a foreign face and it's advantageous to whoever is running that business sure. or that enterprise yeah. to have a foreign face out front. What? No, I'm super qualified at everything I've ever done. Right. Always. Well, then, yeah. then you are a unique individual <laughs> in this country. I think that's been my entire China story is doing weird stuff that I would not have otherwise thought to do. Good grief. So uh, did you come straight from Chengdu to Shanghai? No, I ended up, so I, I stayed in Chengdu for about two years, really liked it, you know, kind of started getting into yeah, more. Because it's a little more like slower pace of life there. It's a little yeah, more chilled out than very. Shanghai or Beijing. The, there's this kind of emphasis on yeah, a slower, a slower pace and recreation and everyone's just chilling in the tea houses, living like pandas. Yeah. Um, there's amazing food. It's it's oh, an incredible. Yeah. It's an incredible. I've heard good things food. about the food. Yeah. 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 Um, Hot pot and chuan chuan. It's so good. So good. Chuan chai, the best. Yeah. yeah. So good. Very spicy. Yeah, spicy food. Anyway, sorry. But yeah, I I was there for two years and sort of started realizing that if I didn't kind of figure out, I I was pretty aimless still. Um, and so I decided to apply for grad school. And so I went, I ended up doing a program that was a year in London and then a year in Shanghai. So that kind of took me out of China to get a little bit of direction, but back into China because I knew yeah. I didn't, I knew I didn't want to So you didn't leave. What did you do? What was your focus in school? It was a grad pro, it was a global media and communications program. Okay. So it was a year in London and then a year here. At- nice. Um, so that's how you ended up in Shanghai was yeah. school. So that's how I got back. Um, and that seemed to make more sense, right? Like I just had a bit more purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So then you got back here kind of fresh off of that graduate yeah. program. Yeah. And what was the next step there? Were you looking for jobs in that industry? Or like what, what, what happened? now you, you manage like my favorite bar in yeah. my neighborhood, which is down the street. So yeah. did you like immediately, how did you end up there? Well, Oh man, I I finished school here and, you know, didn't know, I kind of considered applying for relevant jobs to that industry or or maybe even leaving China, but I ended up feeling like there was still things I wanted to do here. Um, And I had started working on kind of like a pop-up project with a friend of mine that had to do with food. And so I decided to just give it a few months and see what I could put together. Um, And... Doing that project with her, I ended up 
meeting my current business partners who were sponsoring some of our events. It's okay. A, a Belgian beer company. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Delicious. We support beer. We're trying to quietly drink it in yeah. the background. Yeah. So. A bad influence. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they kind of, we, we really hit it off and they sort of, in a way that only again happens in China and maybe only, you know, this kind of weird things that have happened to me, they ended up saying that they were looking to open a space, but they were looking to invest in a venue and would I want to pitch them a business plan or a concept. Were you like mentally prepared to do that? Because oh. if someone asked me to pitch a business plan, I would literally Google like yeah. what is a business oh, plan. I definitely did Google what is a business plan. And actually in retrospect, the thing that they always remind me is that, you know, when I gave them my presentation, like when I showed them my deck about what my actual concept was and sort of the vision of it, they they that's when they kind of decided to to bring me on. Um, but when I showed them like the Excel business plan that I had created, they were like, this girl does not know how to use Excel. So they, they had like less confidence in my... In your math. In my math, which I must say has gotten a lot better in I two years since. Uh, in the two has. years since. But yeah, so I ended up, right, pitching them on that. And they, you know, took a few months. And in the meantime, I was also working on other stuff and, you know, having various China visa crises. Should I stay? Should I leave? What yeah. was happening? And then finally they called and said, yeah, let's let's move forward on it. And so I started that. So I got hired at your bar. Actually. I know. I remember yeah. that. Not yeah. hired to work at her bar. Although, but, although you could but no, be. She had, but yeah. I had her job interview. That's at true. Clara's I did. Bar. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is kind of like sentimental for me because yeah. you guys hadn't been open that long. But it's yeah, in my I think it was. This is a bar that's like a block from me or two. I, blocks are really unclear to me, but it's close. Very and, close. Uh, very close. And yeah, I, I literally I got talked into having a beer. And the location happened to be your bar, which I had never heard of at the time, uh, and Ouch. have gotten drunk <laughs> at many times since. since. Yeah, good. Um, but yeah, no, and so at, at the actual bar part, too, yeah. not even at a table. I remember. Sweet potato fries and... We got those, yeah. And two beers, and, uh, and then I got a job. Were you guys there last night when a star trooper walked in? I, yeah. We were just leaving. A okay. stormtrooper. Star- oh my gosh, I am such a loser that I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, no, because no, I had gone upstairs to the, to the bathroom, and then I was coming out, and just we were ready to leave. We had already yeah, paid our bill, and I was going down the stairs, and I was at the foot of the stairs when the stormtrooper walked in. Yeah. I actually admit that it, it unnerved me for a second. Um, I was... Yeah, unable to see this person's face and I was kind of I got a little bit freaked out like who is this yeah and and he didn't end up really knowing what he was doing I, I don't know if it like he literally walked in kind of took a few selfies of people and then walked out it was really weird he had like friends outside sort of okay. laughing we were at the bar last night doing recon for the podcast today, yeah obviously yeah and uh yeah yeah, it was great. It was, it was really great good. yeah we ran oh, into a storm, stormtrooper <laughs> and you ran into a stormtrooper and that's the kind of weird shit that happens on a regular basis in my in my life so so you had this like kind of arc and you've you've ended up in shanghai shanghai's great we're huge fans um were there any like defining moments um along the way this is the failure show my job is to bring it back into failure (laughs) um but were there like any defining moments where you really like weren't sure what to do or where something crashed and burned or where you like counted counted as like a failure that had an impact that kind of got you where you are i mean for for sure i think that 
kind of since I graduated college, um, kind of every choice and move I made was a bit of a risk. <laughs> like I kind of kept, as my mother always says, following the green lights that kind of came in my path. Um, and I definitely mess up a lot of stuff along the way. And I mean, even just with, with the bar, when, when I did that, of course I loved the idea of, of pitching a concept and kind of creating this whole vision in my head. Yeah. But I remember once, once we had decided to go through with it, I remember sitting there and completely panicking, like being unable to imagine the end product. Because it was also, I think, the first job I've ever had where what I was working on was going to be something so tangible and I was going to be so responsible for it. There's going to be nothing, nothing between me and like the, the product or the place that yeah, I created. I think you're discrediting bands in, in rural Sichuan. Right. Well, that was, like, yeah, that was good. But yeah. Yeah. You're very you much reach responsible. Out and touch us, yeah. <laughs> very much responsible for the end product there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I always delivered. Yeah. Um, that's not true. But <laughs> no, yeah. So that was, and I, and I definitely made so many mistakes along yeah, and now, and now you run a bar. So what, what are some of the kinds of failures? That yeah, I was going to say, what, what kind of like, as you were learning how to run the business, what kind of mistakes did you make that at the time were things that you just had no idea, but now you're like, oh, that's so stupid. Why did I do that? I mean, I literally could to. write, and I have written <laughs> so much down um, about all the mistakes I made. I literally had no experience doing it, which my partners, investors knew at the time, you know. Um, but... We ended up kind of pushing through just with me. Like I didn't hire other people. We and and because of that, of course, I made a lot of mistakes. You know, in terms of and we didn't hire a designer, for example. And I've never designed a space, right? I, I don't know. I now I know the value of like an architect or an interior designer. You know, you, to translate what you are imagining in your mind into what you actually can right. see in a space. Um, and so we had a couple of really dumb things like that where we would do something, we would make a choice, we'd buy furniture, we'd, we'd renovate a wall, we'd do whatever, and then we'd be like, shit, this, this doesn't work, like this isn't all gonna work together, we can't like actually fit people in here, you know, you can't mm. fit. Um, Did you know the space originally, like that it was gonna be there and? Well, I found that space um, kind of maybe three months or two months into the whole process. And when, what it was originally, I was calling it the vice dungeon because it was literally this two floor space that had been previously like a cafe. But then when I found it, these kind of Anhui gangsters had, had taken over the lease and they had it sort of subdivided. I mean, you guys have been there. There's a yeah. huge hole that connects, you know, we cut this hole in the ceiling. Yeah. Um, but when I found it, it was two separate floors, these tiny little kind of KTV, like karaoke rooms with strange posters on the wall and, and televisions. and. Huh. It definitely felt like some weird, weird stuff some was weird happening there. China underground stuff yeah, was happening. Yeah, underground China there. stuff. Um, so yeah, once we, I, I don't now I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so so like, what are what is your attitude now? Like looking at you know starting from from kind of nothing and. Like nothing, as in like not knowing how to use Excel no and one. googling. Yeah, you were no one. No. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah, that to to like where you are now. Like, how do you approach things like like that? Obviously, have a possibility of failing. I mean, like opening a restaurant and a bar is not something that people look at generally and say like, ah, yes, 
those tend to like succeed. The, those know? always work. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it has definitely informed a lot of how I approach things now. And I think that's also a function of, of Shanghai, which one of the many things that I love about it is that it feels like a place where you can kind of try anything, right? And things that maybe wouldn't work out or couldn't work out or you wouldn't even have the opportunity to do elsewhere, you can here. Um, and so I think a lot of the stuff that I've tried to do since, and yeah, I obviously keep running the bar, but then a few months ago I started this other kind mm-hmm. of project that has been taking up a lot more of my time. And that I think kind of came as a direct result of, of realizing that here you can kind of give anything a try and maybe. Yeah. So what's this, what's this new project that you're working on? Mystery project. Um, no, it's basically just a live storytelling platform. Oh, okay. Event nice. thing. Yeah. Um, and we started back in February and we're doing it monthly. I've heard they're really good. I think hopefully you'll be a, a storyteller <laughs> in the future. Of course. Uh, yeah. So w- how would you define failure now? And like having done these things, having started like a platform and managing a bar and like moved to a new country with no language skills to be there. Yeah. Like how, what do you think of as failure in your life? Cause one, one really interesting thing we've found is that people don't necessarily define it in the same way. They, they don't necessarily, some people look at like a failed venture and they're like, that's success. But like, right. how, how do you look at failure? I think now, at least in the past few years, everything that when I when I look back at the time I felt I was failing or making a huge mistake or, or doing something really wrong, it ended up directly leading me to the next step or stage, you know, that ended up opening me up to something else. So, I mean, I think if I had taken more pauses or maybe thought through more <laughs> some of the choices I was making, I wouldn't have made them. But if I hadn't, said yes to everything. I mean, that's kind of like what I've said about this bar project and, and kind of unravel as well. I, I mean, besides, uh, <laughs> besides power outages, what are, what are some of the biggest challenges that you, that you've faced running your business? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I think that, I think that staffing and I think that, I think, okay, I'm going to rephrase that. I think that being able to motivate a team of people, especially when it's your own business, and I'm sure that you you guys have experienced this in, in ways yourself, is like nobody else, you can't get other people to care as much as you do about something that's yours, right? Mm. Um, so I think that's really hard. Uh, and I think also in kind of hospitality or, or food and beverage, you need a team of people who are acting like, it's as important to them as it is to you, right? Because that's what that's what you're yeah. there for. Like you're there to make people happy when they when they come in and, and give people some sort of a break. Um, and so I think that's been really challenging and really interesting is me figuring out how for the first time in my life to manage a team of people and, and figure out how to motivate them and incentivize them in the obvious ways, but also the less obvious ways. Like what 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 does motivate people? For some that's money, you know, it's very simple. For other people that's and especially, I think, personally, for uh, talking about a Chinese staff, I think there's other more effective ways than money to, to incentivize people. people. Yeah. Yeah, in my office, we call it buy-in. Like, how do you get any new member of a team? Because we're, we're still pretty small. <coughs> Excuse me. How do you get people to, like, buy-in to what it is? Like, if you care the, so much about it, how exactly. do you get anybody else to care? So, yeah. what, so what are those other ways that you've seen 
that are effective? Um, I think for us, it can be a lot about, I mean, it almost sounds like cliche, but team bonding. Mm -hmm. I think that getting people to feel like you're a family here in a business is really important. I imagine it's the same in other places, but I've never had to do it anywhere else. And so, of course, I'm also trying to kind of constantly understand the cultural barrier between me and my staff who I think after a year and a half I mean some of I have some of the same staff that I had a year and a half ago when we opened and I think that's also in China very unusual yeah Yeah. it's really difficult to retain people and I've definitely had some hilarious um yeah people resignation moments like what's the what's the best recently I had um recently I had a chef who hadn't been with me since the beginning, but really liked him. I gave a speech at his wedding about eight months ago. Wow. You know, I was asked to... So what I'm trying to convey by that is that, in my mind, like, we're pretty close, right? Maybe I misunderstood exactly why he wanted me to give that speech at his wedding. Probably just like, look, I can have the foreigner deliver a... The boss. Yeah, yeah. Um, So maybe that was a (laughs) a power play on his end, but... I really, you know, I really did like him as a person and, and whatever. And a couple, maybe two months ago now, I was asked to go up to the kitchen during a very busy Friday, like during service. And I was led up there by one of my other staffers. And she's like, oh, Harry needs to tell you something. Walked into the kitchen and, and kind of mid, uh, mid-assembly of a, of a cod slider or whatever it was, he was like, oh, I quit. And I was just, I was so taken back. I was like, what? First of all, it's like, the middle of a super hectic night. I literally had to run out of the kitchen because there was so much else going on. I couldn't even process the kind of good the strategy news. on his part. Yeah, <laughs> but I spent a lot of time like wondering, and I I talked to them like, do you guys realize how much more effective and professional that would have been if you're like, can I speak to you before or after my shift? Are there something I need to talk to you about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean that that is impressive that you've been able to keep so much staff on yeah. for such a long period of time because even in uh like like here in china it, it seems like in all jobs it, it, it's like if you've been at the same job for more than a year people are like oh you've been there a while right and i think it's like, all, even in white like white collar jobs it's like it's, uncommon it's still for yeah people to stay a while well i think that's also because what i've understood both from this project and also you know from other friends in different industries is that's the space where they can make kind of a salary job um and so if you're if you're constantly moving around you can definitely increase your your salary quicker and i've also been really another really interesting thing for me in terms of managing a team has been understanding the kind of cultural hierarchy of functions even within this industry right so i mean once i had a chef quit because he you know really freaked out that one night when we were super busy and our ai like our cleaning lady had something else to do and he had to wash you know a couple of plates he was like i am not a cleaning person i am a chef whereas in definitely in america you know in in kind of when you're in that line of work training starting from the bottom as a chef in New York City, uh, I don't think it would really go too far if you ever, you know, refuse to wash a couple of dishes just because that doesn't exist there. But here, that's not what you... Well, yeah, at least from my understanding, from the very little I know, like in the U.S. or the restaurant industry, it's like it's hectic and sometimes like you need people to slide into different roles to fill gaps. Yeah, but I think also you can't... I mean, I don't know because I've never never tried, but... um, 
I think it's also about proving yourself and you have to kind of, I mean, like, like so many things you, you prove yourself by doing some of the tasks that maybe aren't your yeah, ideal your tasks. Um, That's really interesting to think about like the hierarchy that must be, I mean, it must be kind of different, right? But it's yeah. fascinating. No, and, I, and I've, I've kind of tried to work it out more, you know, with talking to, to staff since about why that is and trying to convey that, okay, for example, at, at this bar in this business, Maybe that exists outside, but here we do things differently, right? We all help each other. If, if someone needs help, you step in. Not because uh, You don't say no because it's not in your job description. Yeah. Because if I said no to the things that weren't in my original job description, um, <laughs> nothing would get done. Right. I mean, that's how you, I mean, that's how you Who gain... Who would go get the part from Sujo? Yeah, yeah. I had to personally drive down to Sujo <laughs> to retrieve this electrical... No, yeah. So I think I've learned so many so many lessons from from that from managing the team we're, we're almost out of time but any do you have any any other kind of failures or obstacles in your life that we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to oh share with us what did you want to be if you don't have anything that's, what did you want to be when you grew up even um, if you don't have anything i just assume curious <laughs> well wait do you want my do you want my like original most embarrassing failure or do you want to know what i wanted to be when i grew up i want your original most embarrassing yeah, failure for sure absolutely i was kind of thinking <laughs> tonight it's really embarrassing but it's a moment i'll never forget Go. um we're ready. And it kind of really hits on the, the whole Stormtrooper theme, strangely. Good. Basically, my first memory of true failure is when I was about seven. Um, I was in Miami with my family, and we were on South Beach. And at the time, I had a really, I guess in retrospect, unhealthy infatuation with Harrison Ford. Okay. Mm. Yeah. You know, Star Wars, it, yeah. Indiana Jones, whatever. Like, I'm not even into those movies now, and I don't know if I was then, but I He's remember. A guy. Yeah, I remember being. I mean, he was, he was God to me, and um, I was with my dad, and we went into a hotel on South Beach because I had to go to the bathroom. Hashtag hydration from a young age, um, and I was wearing this little like Key West halter, white halter top. I remember, which is like probably really inappropriate for a seven-year-old. <laughs> and I'm coming out of the bathroom, and my dad sort of grabs my shoulder, and he says, "Clara, look." And Harrison Ford was standing at the reception desk at this hotel, and my dad knew, you know, how much I loved him. Dad's like, I am going to go up to the receptionist and I'm going to get a pen and a piece of paper and then you're going to go over to him and, you know, get his autograph. I was like, okay, okay. And my dad left me and he came back and he handed me the pen and the piece of paper. And by this point, you know, me and Harrison are just mere yards away from each other. And I looked at him and he kind of turned around this point and he looked at me and I froze and I just started hysterically crying. I, I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I literally couldn't get my legs to work. And my dad was like, go, go, go. He's standing right there. And I was like, oh, I can't. And I was just crying, crying, crying. Harrison Ford, maybe a couple seconds passed. He's just looking at me like, who is this total wacko? You know, I guess maybe it would have been presumptuous of him to believe that the seven-year-old was crying, like, on his account. So, you know, in his defense, he, he did nothing. And he kind of, we just looked at each other. And then he just started walking towards the exit of the hotel kind of looking back, I'm still crying, standing there, can't move, walks out of the hotel, gets into a car, never saw Harrison again. Wow. Oh my God, that's so sad. And I remember thinking for days afterwards that like, 
that wasn't going to be as an as unusual a sighting as it ended up being. I was like, okay, it happened once and I'm in love with him. So obviously it'll happen again. <laughs> so like next time I'll do it better, you know. Um, oh my God. And I never, it never happened again. That doesn't surprise me, but yeah. <laughs> and I really oh. fucked that one up. Oh, oh that is, that is, that's a great story though. That is a really good story. And I think really a exciting. lot of seven-year-olds. Can would, relate. <laughs> I doubt it. I was going to say, would have done the same thing in that situation, because you were obviously super excited, but when you're actually faced I with... was just so overwhelmed. Yeah. I mean, I still think now I'd probably have, like, a really hard time with, sort of... Meeting someone. Meeting, like, a celebrity, or somebody that I really, you I know... Like I fear, I've always feared that's how I would react to meeting, like, Michelle Obama. It's oh, just, my gosh. I can't imagine. I, I don't think I'd be able to speak. I would just stare and, like, yeah. cry. And there's a lot of people who I'd probably have that reaction to, but he was the first, and I'll never forget him. Wow. So, wow. if you're listening, Harrison, give me another chance. <laughs> well, wow. Uh, yeah, I hope I really hope he does. Me too. Well, thank you so much for yeah, coming on that today. Yeah, that was great. That was that was an amazing story. Was awesome <laughs> guest. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for uh, uh, yeah for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, that's uh, that's been the failure show. Until next time.